Thank you. Well, it is a privilege to be one of your pastors, uh, a privilege I take very seriously. And also, I just miss our other pastor, and I know you guys do too. So we'll look forward to seeing him again next week. And in the meantime, I'm just very, very excited to bring the word. And I'm very thirsty after singing with you. Uh, Y'all, only holy God. That was good. You were singing well. Uh, Here's what we got. Um, From the time I was a a little kid, um, I was, and I mean this seriously, just very blessed to have parents who took faith very seriously. Uh, So kids, if your parents do that, thank God first and then thank them. Um, One thing... I, as I was growing up, uh, as I was very much shorter than six foot three, uh, prob- probably we're talking before I was five even, um, my parents really, I, well, I see it as they were moved by the Spirit uh, to, to kind of pick up, leave, and they, they were planted in a church uh, called Trinity Reformed. And Trinity Reformed is a church down in Pella, Iowa. I love these people. It was a place where God used that, that church collectively and uh, a pastor named Chris Piersma to really sow in me a deep love for his word. And one of the things this week, I mean, I've, I've had the, the privilege to do a lot of different things this week with a lot of you, and I am just blown away by the way God's word is perfect, right? It doesn't return to him void or empty. It accomplishes what he wants it to accomplish. And that's something that God has been putting in me from a young age. And it's something that has been contended over in my heart from a young age. Because we just recognize that as God's word is proclaimed, God loves that and Satan hates that. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about a piece of scripture today. Open it up to Luke 8. If you've got a Bible, uh, 26 through 39, Luke chapter 8, a piece which is just, to me, very scary because I've experienced parts of this. Like, like some of you, maybe along with me, can say, I've, I, I've sensed evil spirits in ways that just make me scared, right? Like there is a battle for truth that's not far off. It's not hypothetical. It's close to home. And it's not just away from our homes, but it wants to get in our homes, right? And sometimes this works subtly, uh, where Satan might use mechanisms and structures of the world to try to get out of our hearts. And other times, it's very clear. And some of you might find yourself waking up in the middle of the night uh, or, or in a conversation where everything feels wrong. And it might be something that you can acknowledge isn't even a natural sense of yours, but it's something that God is peeling away the corner into this spiritual realm where we see we do really have an enemy who really hates us, who really hates our God, and who is at work against us. So, in light of all that, we want to be able to say, Christian, not only has Jesus saved me from sin, he saved me from Satan, okay? I can say that I want all of us to be able to say that together. And here's the fear-melting truth. It's simple, and I'm going to say it a lot today. It's that Jesus has power over demons. Okay? This is Luke 8. If you're able, stand and let's read it together. 
starting in verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had lived uh, not in a house, but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let him enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, Lord of hosts, you are with us in the battle, in the storm. Be with us now in particular perfect ways. Show us the perfect timing of your word to bring victory in our lives, even the perfect timing of your word to prepare us for battles in the future because it's not over yet, but soon it will, and we will be with you, our great God of highest heaven. We will be with you. Uh, Even now, as your spirit is with us, then face to face, we trust you. Father, uh, please protect us from Satan and what the enemy would work right now, and instead let your Holy Spirit bear good fruit in accordance with repentance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, demons and pigs. What a topic. Here's what we got. Jesus and his disciples uh, decided to ignore the severe weather warning. They got into a boat. They sailed over to the Gerasenes. And along the way, they battled a massive, life-threatening storm. Okay? And Jesus stopped it. He stopped it. Right? It was silent. It went from raging to calm. And then here they are. This is probably at this point where we pick up in verse 
26, the most relieved these professional sailors have ever been to get back to shore. Uh, they watched their lives flash before their eyes. They watched Jesus uh, exert particular power over the storm. And they probably thought something like, okay, we'll get to shore, we'll take a load off, we'll rest, and that's not the plan uh, Jesus had. What happens? Well, what happens? Jesus steps out of the boat, and there comes a man. We read that this was a man from the area who had demons. What do we learn about this man? A couple things. We got a list. First, he wore no clothes. It's bizarre and it's brutal, right? Like, uh, presumably the elements were beating on his body. He was probably beaten up. And certainly that would be repulsive to others. What else? He didn't have a home. Uh, He didn't live and function in normal society, but he was an outcast. And we find that he was living among the tombs. So there's this unholy desire and fellowship with dead, with death, I should say. Um, And, well, on top of that, if it wasn't already clear, I think we see that he was uh, mentally insane, um, when he reaches Jesus, when Jesus reaches him, he, he's screaming and crying out in a loud voice and doing things which are, to say the least, not normal. Um, this is a man who, according to Mark's gospel, tried to injure himself. He cut himself with stone. Um, he was mutilated. And apparently he was dangerous Right? People tried to lock him up, put him in shackles, and that couldn't hold him. There was a sort of superhuman strength that allowed him to break loose of that and escape to the desert where maybe, maybe worst of all, he was miserably, utterly alone. Okay? Totally isolated. A miserable wretch of a person. I just think it's so sad, right? Like this man made a place of death his home, living among tombs, and something far worse than death had made him its home. Like that's scary. It's not Halloween movie scary. This is real. It's a real evil that was trying to dominate and distort and destroy a person, like one precious person made in the image of God. Like, do we feel how hopeless this is? Because I think that's the point. Um, Chris and I were talking, like, why would Luke say this story of demons? Well, I think this is like a worst case scenario. Because we acknowledge that even one demon would have been more than a match for this man, uh, and instead, he is controlled by legion, which isn't even a name so much as a number. Like, we're talking between two and 6,000 demons who are controlling, again, who are devouring this person, okay? This is the guy who meets Jesus, and I, I think we need to just ask the question, what happens when Two to 6,000 demons encounter one son of God. And the answer, we don't have to wait long to see, they fall down before him. 
and they beg to be spared from judgment. Okay, look at this. Verse 28 first. The demons, they cry out. They fell down, and they beg Jesus not to torment them. Do we get a sense of like the power, uh, power gap here? In verse 31, the demons, again, begged Jesus not to send them to the place of torment. And in verse 32, they begged to be sent into the pigs instead of into the pit. They can't hold a candle to this sort of power Jesus has. Jesus is more powerful. He is stronger. And maybe in, in strange fashion, he actually grants the, the demons their wish, right? He commands them to come out of the man, and he, they ask permission to enter the pigs. He allows it, and then the pigs self-destruct. <laughs> so we, what about the pigs? Like, what do we make about that? I, I know some of you are into history and context, and I would encourage you to look up what about the pigs, because there's a lot I could say which I'm not going to, because the simple fact of the matter is that these pigs, like everything else in the story, live and die to the glory of the Son of God, right? Probably the most famous band of pigs in history, uh, and Iowa select people, I would be curious to know, like, in ancient times, what the comparison cost-wise would be. Like, what is this economic loss? I don't know. It's probably severe, but more than just the loss of property, we see a demonstration of power, right? Like, the pig's evidence, the, the power of the demons, which then evidence the power of Jesus, okay? It's crazy. Pigs and demons and Gerasenes. Let's talk about the people. Because the herdsmen see this. They, they watch this happen. And then we read they fled first. And then they spread the news about what had happened. Uh, I read in one book it's not, it, that said, it's not every day that lunatics find religion and that pigs commit mass suicide. So this word traveled quickly. People gather and flock to Jesus. And what do they find? They find the untamable monster of a man sitting and in his right mind. Okay, what's the response? What what would you expect the response to be? Well, see theirs in verse 37. So I do this thing with my middle schoolers. (laughs) We call it the fill in the blank. So I'm going to read something, and when I obviously pause, you're going to read the next word. Middle schoolers, help them out, okay? Okay, here it is, verse 37. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great... There it is. Okay, so their response is fear. Maybe, compare this, the disciples in the storm, what was their response to Jesus? Fear. Um, the, the responses have different outcomes. Like, you, you can talk about that in life group. The responses have different outcomes, but the root here is fear because the one power, if it's nature or if it's supernatural, is triumphed by the Son of God. Okay? The disciples marvel. The Gerasenes reject. 
they reject. Here's the tragedy. It's in the very last part of 37. (laughs) They asked him to depart from them. Right? The the Gerasenes would rather keep um, the demoniac in chains where they think they can control him. They can't, right? Like they, They think they can control him. They would rather have that dude than they would have the uncontrollable son of God in their midst. And at the end, like we ask as the reader, okay, so who's crazy? (laughs) I'm I'm reminded of (laughs) an author, philosopher named C.S. Lewis, has shaped me in different ways. He kind of puts this in his fictional book. He, He alludes to the fact that God is good and God is not tame. Right, like we can't call God our pet, put him in a box, and take him out when we want to. This is the God who is sovereign, reigning over all, and our lives conform to his, not vice versa. So the Gerasenes <laughs> ask that Jesus would leave. And Jesus does that, like he accepts the offer. That, that's surprising to me. Let's keep going. Let's talk about the restored man. So after, after we talk about the demons, the pigs, the crowd, Luke focuses the camera angle on the one man who is restored, the man who Jesus healed. Remember, again, the list. He was naked, homeless, living among tombs, out of his mind, crazy, mutilated, a danger to society, alone, as bad as it gets. This was him, and now, now, see it in verse 35. He is clothed. He's in his right mind, sitting at Jesus' feet. What a reversal. He's no longer living among the dead. He's not a menace, and he's not alone. He's been rescued. So, as we might expect, he begs to be with Jesus, And Jesus says, no. See it in verse 39. He says, return to your home. Declare how much God has done for you. I love that. So note, I mean, just notice, and it's hard to see what we make of this. The demons beg, and Jesus obliges, right? Like, he he allows them to go to the pigs. The, The people ask him, they beg him to leave, and Jesus leaves, he obliges. When, when this man comes to him and says, hey, can I go with you? He says, no. Doesn't, doesn't that feel counterintuitive? It does to me. But the one on ministry with Jesus, look what he does. He went away, proclaiming through the whole city how much Jesus has done for him. So, I mean, one-to-one application, if you're in this room and you're in Christ through faith, then go to your home, go to your family, go to your job, and tell people what Jesus has done for you. Do we see how Jesus has power over demons? The the point is pretty simple uh, in my take, but Simple news is good news in this case because it means that we, in Christ, 
really have power over real spiritual evil. Let's talk about it. I want to give you a, a few things. Um, first, three things to know. One, it's just, it's not petty superstition to say that real. Does that make sense? Like they are really doing evil in this world. They really hate people. That's not new, but we need to call it for what it is and recognize when that is working against us, okay? And we should, maybe this is the second part, we should anticipate evil working against us. Like, Christian, why, why are things so hard? Well, we have an enemy who prowls around like a lion trying to devour us. Things are hard, but they're not hopeless. Now, I think we need to recognize about how Satan works. Sometimes it's subtle, right? Like, uh, Satan does work through maybe structures and mechanisms and simple things. There's this idea that if Satan can comfort us and make us complacent so that we either abandon God or else abandon God's mission to like effectively uh, pursue his kingdom here and now, then he's, he's mission accomplished, right? So like the comfort, materialism, secularism can work against us in a very subtle, uh, lull you to sleep sort of way. We don't want that, church. And other times, uh, we might clearly discern evil working in a more obvious way. Um, sometimes the curtain is pulled back. And if that hasn't, like if you haven't experienced that, you might. Um, if you have, you, you might again. So we need to know the simple truth that God is for us. It's good news. God is for us. And I just love how if we take the text at maybe sky level, what happened in Luke 8? Jesus and his disciples crossed the sea, almost died. And then they find one man, they heal him, and then they leave again. One guy, one guy. He leaves the 99, saves one utterly broken man Like, like that is God's love. How precise and good is it? It's good. It's specific, and we can experience it. Here's what we should do. We should experience it in abiding in the Son of God. I, I know abide is a Christian sort of word. We need to abide in Jesus by believing him, by obeying him, by loving his word more and more, loving his people and fellowship with them, serving one another, exalting Christ, seeking his kingdom first above our own uh, little kingdoms, right? If we are in Christ, nothing can separate us. And uh, I think the way we access this is through prayer. Prayer is a very general application, which we probably can and probably should make through most sermons. I, I think where we see to particularly pray, according to uh, Jesus healing the demoniac, is in praying against uh, spiritual evil that would really want to pull us away from Jesus. Does that make sense? 
Like, there's a lot of things we can pray for. Let's pray that Satan's plans wouldn't work, that God would protect his people, and that he would keep us and help us persevere in faith to the end, and that he would help us be fruitful. Let's pray. Praying isn't just like a, I'm going to ring the bell so the butler up in heaven will get me the comfort I want. It's the wartime walkie-talkie that lets us call in reinforcements because if God doesn't show up, we're toast. (laughs) And, And it's easy to say that in the mission of the church, but that's just as true in the mission of individual lives. Like, we we have to realize that. If God isn't with us, we've got nothing. But if he is, it's a game changer. It's so good. Here's what we feel, church. One thing Uh, I want us to focus on feeling is that if we have given our lives to Jesus, we don't need to fear evil anymore. Um, I just tried to run through a couple examples of what might help uh, take this, let it maybe spark your own ideas of how you cannot fear evil, uh, and let's let's live it. Let's let's feel it. So, church. Don't be afraid if, uh, if you're up late at night feeling shame, uh, remembering sin, rehearsing things that didn't go the way you wanted. If you're sensing the power of evil, don't be afraid. Say the name of Jesus. Uh, it is, he is strong and mighty to save. What else? Don't be afraid when life looks lonely. Okay? Sometimes it feels that way. You can have people around you and still feel lonely. And if you do, don't be afraid. We have in Jesus a a present help. A present help. He is near. And don't be afraid, Christian, if you're upset because injustice or immorality is just like everywhere you turn, right? That can be a really discouraging thing, but we should not be afraid because Christ is coming with justice. He will make everything right again. And don't be afraid of God's anger. Uh, I think it's easy to see our sin and to see God's holiness and then realize there's a, there's a problem with that. But, but remember, God isn't angry at us. He gave his son to die for us so that as we trust in him, we are united with him and he is, the father is pleased with us. Praise the Lord. Uh, And maybe one more thing, just don't be afraid that America would last, right? Like we see wars, we see mass shootings, we we see great evil around us all, all over. And we don't need to just place our hope in some like perfect worldly society. We need our hope in the coming of the king. Right? Like we believe Jesus' kingdom is coming. We believe that he has power over demons, over every evil plan. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. So, Christian, don't be afraid. Let's pray. Father, um, simple truths, apply them to our hearts in uh, the ways we need. Prepare our hearts for battles ahead. Um, and just bind us up when we feel wounded and broken. Jesus, thank you that you are the, the cosmic uh, 
attorney for all Christians who believe in you, that all of a sudden Satan's accusations don't have any merit because we have been bought with the blood of the Son of God. Father, thank you. Please show us yourself in your word this week, in your Holy Spirit this week, in your people this week, and help us to tell others of everything you've done for us. God, we praise you for saving us from sin and from Satan. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, we get to take communion.